The Daikin Comfort Pros at Legacy Heating and Air are saving you thousands on select Daikin heating systems. Upgrade to a Daikin high-efficiency heating system from Legacy today and spend the season warm and worry-free. Get thousands in rebates and federal tax incentives and enjoy flexible financing to suit your budget. Daikin systems deliver unbeatable comfort, cleaner, safer indoor air, and energy savings. Visit LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com to view exclusive offers and get qualified now. A Cook Family Business. Welcome to Football Never Sleeps, the weekly Notre Dame football YouTube show, I almost said TV show, um, <laughs> uh, that takes you into the offseason, into spring football, throughout the season. We're always here for you. And usually we're here on Monday nights. We switched it up to Tuesday nights the last couple of weeks because of the holiday and also because none of you are going to pay a bit of attention to us during those great <laughs> semifinal games last night. Right. And... Uh, so we're here to catch you up on everything Notre Dame football as we spin into the off season. I'm Eric Hansen. He's Tyler James. You guys are giving us some great questions in the comment section. And Tyler's going to take us home with a little bit of all the things you need to do to be ready for the show and to ask us questions live. Yeah, uh, please make sure that you're subscribed to us here on the channel. Uh, on YouTube, hit the bell for your reminders um, of when we have content and hit the like button to show your support. Uh, like Eric mentioned, we have been on Tuesdays the last couple weeks, and I think we'll do that again next week with the college football championship game uh, next Monday. So we don't necessarily want to go up head to head against that either. Um, and so we can be uh, live the next day. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that game um, and its results in addition to all of our Notre Dame football topics. Um, if you want to ask questions, make sure you've clicked through to either the YouTube app or YouTube site. Um, if you're watching us embedded somewhere, either on insideandesports.com or on the Insider Lounge or social media, you won't be able to submit questions that way. So make sure you've clicked through. Um, if you are new to submitting questions on the right-hand side, you will have a comment box if you're on a desktop version of some sort. Um, if you are on a mobile version, um, there will be a box to enter your comments uh, below our talking heads. Um, also, if you are not subscribed to us uh, at InsideNDSports.com, maybe your New Year's resolution is become a more informed Notre Dame football fan. Um, we have a 30-day free trial that you can take advantage of to see if you want to give us a shot. You can use promo code NDYT, which is exclusive to our YouTube audience here. When you sign up and get free access to our premium analysis, recruiting coverage, and spe special access to us, over on the Insider Lounge, where we spend a lot of our time and share our inside information first. There is a link to that deal in the video description below. Awesome. Well, we're going to get started uh, with a quick reset of Notre where Notre Dame is right now. Uh, the Irish were ranked 15th in the pre-bowl, pre-playoff AP poll and have a chance to move up a little bit when the final polls released on January 9th, they were 13th in the preseason AP poll of the six teams directly behind them, all six lost. So I doubt anybody's going to leapfrog them. Of the seven directly ahead of them from eight to 14, number 10, Penn State lost, number 12, Oklahoma State lost. So maybe they get to 13th. Uh, the Irish start spring semester classes and winter workouts on January 16th. So our opening drive is we're really going to look at the Sun Bowl aftermath and the Sun Bowl itself. And where we start is with an incredible uh, run of good luck for Al Golden on the defensive side of the ball with Xavier Watts becoming the fourth really key player that could have left Notre Dame mm -hmm. for the NFL, deciding to return for the 2024 season. He's the first unanimous All-American at the safety position in Notre Dame history. And this is on a defensive unit that's going to finish number five in the final national total defensive rankings. Notre Dame, by eating cheeseburgers yesterday, moved up a spot from six to five as Iowa coughed up enough uh, yards to Tennessee in their bowl loss to the Vols to fall behind Notre Dame and Air Force. Um and it will be the second highest finish by a Notre Dame defense since the end of the era Parsegian era. 
which was 1974. They finished first that year, and then they finished fourth in 1980. The uh, the Irish allowed 197 total yards and two rushing yards in their bowl game. I think a lot of people kind of wondered why Notre Dame didn't have somebody with monster defensive stats. The biggest reason is they played 26 guys, and they were only on the field for 44 plays. And if you say, Boy, when was the last time they had that few of plays run against them in a game? You have to go all the way back to the Lou Holtz era. 1996 opener against Vanderbilt was the last time somebody ran fewer than 44 plays against Notre Dame. So let's let's start with the Xavier Watts issue here, Tyler. How significant is this return, and can the 2024 defense be better? Yeah, I think his return is massive. Uh, We saw how much better Xavier Watts could get between the previous season and this past season. Um, And so to think about what sort of improvement he can make going into next season, um, that's very exciting to see what he could become. Uh, Certainly, it's hard to be better than the best defensive player in the country, which at least the Bronco Nagurski trophy believed he was. but I think there's certainly room for improvement in his game. I don't know. I mean, sort of like Benjamin Morrison, right? Last year, he has a bunch of interceptions as a freshman, and he doesn't get that many interceptions the following year. But that doesn't mean that Benjamin Morrison wasn't a better player this past season than he was the year before. Um, but so, so maybe Xavier Watts doesn't lead the country in interceptions next year, but I think there's a chance that he could have a very big impact and continue to prove what he can do at the back end. Um and, and particularly with at, at a position for Notre Dame that need really needed Xavier Watts next season. There's not a lot of experience back there without him, um, and Notre Dame is still going to be looking and trying to figure out who can start alongside him for going into next season. So the fact that he's at least there to be the one known quantity in the um, backfield for Notre Dame's uh, safety position, um, I think is, is extremely important. Um, as for – the 2024 defense and if it can be better than last year, I, I think it can. I mean, it's going to be really hard. It's sort of like this is Xavier Watts interceptions part. Like it's going to be really hard to be better statistically in some ways. Um, whether you're looking at total defense or scoring defense for what Notre Dame did this past season. But I think you, if you can have a defense that plays extremely well in those big games, that can sort of take you up even a higher notch. Maybe your statistics don't line up the same way, but I think there's even a chance that Notre Dame can be competitive with those statistics. I don't, I don't think it's unreasonable for Notre Dame to be able to get in within that range, um, especially if the offense does a better job of controlling the ball and in some of those um, bad games that Notre Dame had this past season, um, don't have the turnovers that lead to points for, for the opposing team. So um, I, I think – there's experience at every level of the defense coming back for next season. There's playmakers at every level. Uh, so I think there's a lot to like if you're Al Golden and Marcus Freeman and, and a Notre Dame fan about what Notre Dame's defense could be next season. Right. I, I, I would agree with you. I think when you look at the opposition that they're playing next year, mm-hmm. that you don't see a lot of prolific uh, um, defenses to for them to deal with next year or offenses offenses next year and um some of it is you know three of the teams that were ahead of them uh ohio state michigan and penn state are going to be playing better offenses next year the big 10 had five of the 11 worst offenses in the country this year Hmm. um and you're adding washington oregon usc and ucla all potentially really good offenses that they won't have to face all four of those teams, but they'll probably have to face one or two of them at least in the integration of those teams. And uh, Notre Dame plays four ACC teams next year. They play two MAC teams, two service academy teams. Um, I think the best offenses they'll see will be a couple that they see in November in Florida State when they come with DJ Ui Angolale to Notre Dame Stadium and mm-hmm. USC on the road at the last game of the season, I think they'll likely be pretty good as well. Uh, but boy, Xavier Watts coming back with 
Howard Cross, Riley Mills, and Jack Kaiser, and then some really good young developing players. Even I think Jordan Botello's decision to return, I think, is significant because it allows mm-hmm. Notre Dame to play around with Josh Burnham at the field end spot. Um, and then you really have enough Vipers to to uh, man that position. So, yeah, I think, I mean, it's a long way away. I mean, we don't even know who the starting quarterbacks will be at some of those teams that Notre Dame is playing next year, but there aren't a lot of the big name quarterbacks on Notre Dame's schedule, right? I mean, as there were this year. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, and Connor Wegman, uh, I don't know if he's AM started last year, next year. I, yeah, he went down with an injury. I think that's probably why they, I don't know that they're, they've been very active in the transfer portal and trying to add anyone. Um, Obviously, Florida State was active with that. What's USC going to do? I think the the latest rumor is that Will Howard. That's where maybe Will Howard ends up, um, and so we'll see if that's the direction things to turn out for for USC. Obviously, Miller Moss had a great uh, uh, game in the in the Holiday Bowl for USC, um, so maybe that that it, it, there's some influence there. But I mean, depending on what you think of Riley Leonard, Notre Dame could have the better quarterback in many of its matchups next season. Um, I think maybe like a sleeper guy as Anthony Calandria, the kid from Virginia who who did really well as a young player this past season. Um, but uh, there's just not a lot of big name quarterbacks on this on the schedule going into next season, and that is something that could certainly help a defense be statistically dominant. As as we look through the schedule, if Notre Dame's offense needs a little bit of time to find its footing with a new coordinator, a new quarterback whether it's Angeli or Riley Leonard, a lot of new receivers and so forth, mm-hmm. and and certainly a new scheme. Do you think this defense is good enough to carry Notre Dame until that offense finds its footing? I think so. I mean, I, there's not a lot. I mean, we talked a little bit about the offenses on the schedule next year. There aren't a lot of big time quarterbacks, and it's it's more back loaded with the offenses that you think will be the better ones that Notre Dame will play next season. Um, Louisville potentially. I, I, what does Louisville's offense look like next season? I, I I don't know that we can say with confidence what that will look like, but um, a we won't Brown, have Jack Plummer. A, a Jeff Brom team, you would he's expect. Out of, he's out of years. <laughs> yeah, he's a Jeff, thirty. A Jeff Brom team, you would expect to have a pretty good offense. Um, what does Texas A&M look like? I don't know that any of us can say with any confidence what that offense is going to look <laughs> it's like. It's changing every day. <laughs> they have a new guy in the portal. Yeah. So um, I think there's always – so, so yeah, I think the schedule works in everything's favor that the offense can sort of – doesn't have to go out and score 50 points every week um, in order to, for Notre Dame to win these games. I mean, it, it could probably get away with not even scoring 30 points in some of those games. Um, so I, I think that, that it gives – gives Notre Dame some time to sort of sort out things offensively if that's needed. What do you, do you agree with me? I do. Just given who's on the schedule early beyond Texas A&M, I think the defense will be good enough as long as they're not a turnover machine. That's, I think the biggest bugaboo against Louisville was, you know, the, the offense didn't play great when they had the ball, but them giving the ball up as many times as they did mm-hmm. put the defense in impossible positions uh, because the defense played well enough to win that game. When you look at the yards given up by Notre Dame's defense and the losses, the defense played well enough. But I think this defense is going to be so good, even on a day maybe if Notre Dame gets a little sloppy with the ball, mm-hmm. that they'll be able to handle that and I don't that's not my expectation but then when they get into November they're going to have to be a complete team and if you know they get into the playoff which is their hope and probably my expectation they're going to have to be a full team they're going to have to be good on both sides of the ball yeah and just to remind folks I know I had to look up the 2024 schedule but when we were preparing for the show to talk about some of these things for those that don't know the beginning of the schedule um, after the Texas A&M game uh, uh, on August 31st, the next three games are against Northern Illinois p- at Purdue and against Miami of Ohio, and then Louisville is, will be the last game in September. Another weird schedule quirk in that Notre Dame will have played five games by the end of September. Um, but uh, um, so there is the 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 Northern Illinois, Purdue, Miami. Those are the teams that we're talking about as offenses that maybe not necessarily will challenge Notre Dame at the beginning of the season. Right, and. 
really, you look through the whole schedule. I mean, Navy was not very good this year. Army is a little bit better offensively. Navy will have a new offensive coordinator the third time in three years. They'll have a new offensive coordinator. I think Georgia Tech is probably a team on the schedule. And as you mentioned, Virginia, that may be the sneaky teams mm -hmm. that are a little bit better than what they look like in the Athlon magazine in March or whenever that comes out. Right. It comes out insanely early, or at least the information's from March. Maybe right. it comes out in June. Uh, so, and then then let's look at the Sun Bowl. 197 total yards. A lot of that was against Notre Dame's deep deep reserves at the end of the game and mm -hmm. the last couple times that Oregon State had the ball. Two rushing yards, which is the fewest in more than a decade uh, that Notre Dame's allowed. So, what was your overall thoughts about the defense? What did you like in particular? Anything that concerned you? Um, you'd have to be in a, a really big stickler to find some concerns with the defense off of that game, I think. Maybe you wanted them to create some more turnovers, but uh, they didn't get on that fumble that Javante Jean-Baptiste uh, forced on the quarterback. But, yeah, I mean, the defense played outstanding. Um, like you mentioned Jordan Matello and his return, I thought – the way he played in that game was very important. And maybe that's, maybe that's a bit of a turning point for Jordan Botello. I think he had a fairly disappointing season from my perspective. I don't think he right. was very productive. I mean, statistically he wasn't very productive. Um, so is that a product of his performance? Is that a product of what they're asking him to do? Um, is there a better way to use him? I don't know the answer to that, but I do think that, it, that it was, reassuring to see what he did in that Sun Bowl and then the possibilities that he can continue to build on that going forward. Um, I like the, the fact that guys that made decisions to return on out, granted we didn't know for certain certain that Xavier Watts before the game was returning, although I think he knew before the game that he was returning. Uh, yeah, I think he had the video. <laughs> considering, yeah, I don't think they did that video after the game as it, as it, it was admit, as they made it seem. Um those guys continue to play well. Like they didn't just sort of mail it in and coast into the final game and like, just like preserve themselves for next season. They, they went out there and played really well. Xavier Watts, Howard Cross, Riley Mills. Um, I thought those guys played well. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of things to like, obviously the, the run defense was great. Um, it's hard to, I mean, Oregon state's offense was personnel wise, very limited. Um, I don't think they had enough fire firepower and then their best receiver gets hurt in the game. Um, and that really uh, hurt them even more. So I, I guess just one thing that not necessarily specific to the game, but sort of we saw a little bit of what the linebacker usage could be with Jack Kaiser and Jalen Sneed being more active um, than they were at times during the regular season at the linebacker positions specifically. Um, what is that going to look like next year? What's the best role for Jalen Snead? What's the best role for Jack Kaiser? Do those things align with, what, with what's best for the defense? I'm very interested to see how that, that plays out going into next season. Yeah, the linebacker, how, how that lines up is going to be fascinating to me because there's so much good material there, including at least two of the freshmen. I know Kingston Viliamu Asa is the most college-ready prospect in the class, according to Marcus Freeman. Mm -hmm. Tom Lemming, who does a lot of stuff with us and has over the years, longtime recruiting analyst, he was um, one of the people in charge down at the U.S. Army Bowl game, which is a new, uh, or maybe it's a reincarnation of an old game, but it's not the one in San Antonio. This one was in Frisco, Texas. Three Notre Dame players were in Frisco. Micah Gilbert, who's a wide receiver. Uh, Leonard Moore, a cornerback who had been injured most of the season and didn't didn't make a dent there. But Bodie Cahoon mm -hmm. from Roanoke, Virginia. Tom Lemming goes, wow, I absolutely underrated him. Mm -hmm. He thinks that he could be as good as Kingston Villamuasa, which coming from Tom is... Stunning. Um, I always wondered because Cody week after week would have these PlayStation stats with his games. And you're like, who's he playing against in Roanoke, Virginia? You know, is he playing against middle school teams or whatever? Because they were overwhelming every week. And Tom Lemming said he showed out 
in um, Frisco, both in the practices and in a 62-37 victory for his team. So that'll be really interesting. Uh, for me, I wanted to circle back to Jordan Botello, and we had a comment from Irish fan. Yes, Eric, I love Jordan Botello coming back. Y yeah, I do too. And I think where I'm not disappointed with Jordan is that he made it through the season without being combustible. I mean, this was a guy that always felt like he was on the edge of transferring, getting four 15-yard penalties. <laughs> right, getting thrown out of a game, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that he played under control. He became more of a complete player, even though he wasn't um, elite at it. He bought into, okay, I've got to be able to play the run better. I can't just be this pass rush specialist that can have at it. I think he lost a little bit of the pass rush burst he had, and I think he can get it back. And I think this bowl game will be really good for his confidence in building on what he did. Um, I give him a lot of credit because if you had, if they had a prop bet on whether Jordan Batello would stay at Notre Dame for four years, I think most people would have said no. And and the growth that he's made in his maturity level is outstanding. So uh, I'm really eager to see what he looks like next year. But there's some awfully good Vipers that will be competing for playing time. Do you want to switch to questions? I know we wanted to talk a bit about the quarterback stuff, and then we have some quarterback questions. So why don't you want me to serve up the questions that we have from our well, viewers? Let me just give Steve's performance in the game, and okay. then let's go to the questions. Sounds good. So Steve Angeli completed 15 of 19 passes for 232 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. In our recap, I said 14 of 18. They changed the play after uh, the initial final stats. They didn't include a 20-yard catch. They thought it was just a penalty. They actually, the penalty was tacked on to a 20-yard reception. So that gave Angeli one more completion, one more attempt, and 20 more yards. And so that brought his pass efficiency rating up to 232.62. That edges Sam Hartman and Ron Paulus for the best pass efficiency rating for a starting debut by a Notre Dame quarterback in 50 years. So now let's go to the questions. All right. Uh, Jerry McClurg, who seems to have been impressed with Steve Angeli as well. Uh, Angeli sure looked like a good starting quarterback. Is Notre Dame really served well by Riley Leonard taking over if we lose Angeli by doing so? See, I love the end of that question because when you take guys in the portal, there's always ripples. Right. Either somebody leaves or somebody thinks about leaving. And I think Steve Angeli will think about leaving if he's not the starting quarterback. Mm -hmm. next year. That doesn't necessarily mean he will, but he will certainly have opportunities to start for somebody else if he thinks that's the best thing for him. And we'll get into that discussion a little bit deeper. I think the best case scenario is that Riley Leonard has to win the job um, and that Steve Angeli goes into spring where this doesn't look like a sham competition. Um, and so Yes, I feel good about Riley Leonard being brought in for competition because, again, you know, the one thing about playing quarterback, and we saw this with Sam Hartman, was, I mean, Sam Hartman ripped off four straight pass efficiency rankings of over 200, which I don't remember a Notre Dame quarterback ever doing. But then teams started to say, okay, how can we mitigate his effectiveness in games? And they started to find adjustments that they can make and he had to adjust back and Jared Parker had to adjust back as well. Steve Angeli would face that. So we don't know how that will play out. Maybe he does an incredible job of, of dealing with the way teams try to get him to play left-handed. Uh, but I do think Riley Leonard being the prolific um, dual threat quarterback that he is, and given Notre Dame's personnel and how it fits with that, I love the fact that he's coming in here and competing for the starting job. And I still expect him to beat Steve Angeli out, although I'm not nearly as confident as I was 
after watching Steve Angeli play this year? Yeah, I mean, I I think I, I'm in support of the Riley Leonard decision because I think you have to keep pushing to be the best version of yourself, right? Um, and I think as much as folks want to, folks being fans, want to like build towards the future and do that, I feel like like Notre Dame's program needs to continue to get better. And I think if you decided, and I mean, this is when Notre Dame was making the decisions in October that you can afford to not go for a transfer portal quarterback, then do you really feel that you're going to get the best out of your team with Steve Angeli going into the next season? I still think that's still a bit of a leap to make based off one start against a Oregon state team that maybe wasn't playing at its best and certainly didn't have all of its personnel available to it. Um, and let alone his coaching staff. Uh, so I, I, I think that Notre Dame um, made the right choice in going out and finding who they thought was the best quarterback available. Um, I like it even more with the pairing of, of Mike Denbrock as offensive coordinator um, and his ability to potentially get the best out of Riley Leonard. Um, so I think you do have to take into account what you may lose, but I think that's also, I mean, that's part of the deal. Like you have to make sure that you're not so, okay. It's a Riley Leonard versus Steve Angeli conversation, but it's also like, okay, if you lose Steve Angeli, are you, are you that bad off? Because, Hey, you got Kenny Minchie and Steve and CJ Carr behind him. That's why quarterback recruiting is so important and why Notre Dame has needed to go into the transfer portal market because it's quarterback recruiting hasn't been good enough. Um, now, People may you might be able to say, well, maybe Steve Angeli was a better quarterback recruit than than anyone was giving him credit to be. I think he has certainly shown to this point that he has the potential to get there. Um, but I just don't know if Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman can afford to um, be patient enough to see if he can reach that on the field um, going into next season. When you when we're talking about a defense that has the potential to be one of the best in the country, would you rather risk it on a guy that has a high ceiling like Riley Leonard? Or a guy that's Steve Angeli that maybe he's more middle of the road, um, but and he's learning his way as an inexperienced quarterback. Um, I think I'd rather go for the the big time potential at, at a quarterback than a guy that's maybe a maybe a safer, less volatile quarterback. Well, the other thing is the difficulty for Steve Angeli too is he's got two quarterbacks behind him that are super talented, and Kenny Minchie and C.J. Carr. Now they don't have the experience, but those guys are going to be pushing from behind and and let's say Steve Angeli sticks around he would have the inside track on 2025 but Minchie and Carr are going to be pushing Deuce Knight will be on campus that's the first time Notre Dame will have been able to stack back to back to back rivals 250 players at the quarterback position since Charlie Weiss put together four of them in the Demetrius Jones, Zach Frazier, Jimmy Clausen, Dane Crist run Mm-hmm. The other thing is Notre Dame quarterbacks transfer or they've switched positions since 1997, 34 high school quarterbacks have signed with Notre Dame of the 31 that haven't either moved on or have exhausted their eligibility. Only six didn't change positions, transfer or both. And only four of them completed their um eligibility at Notre Dame and that off the top of my head was Evan Sharpley, Brady Quinn, Tommy Reese, and Ian Book. And then the two that left early were Kloss and and Deshaun Kaiser. So that, I mean, Notre Dame quarterbacks have been transferring when you had to sit out way before there was the portal. Mm -hmm. So I, I like Riley Leonard coming in. All right. Uh, I think there's one more Angeli. Oh, Cranberry or Carberry Q asks, how confident are you guys thinking Angeli sticks it out for another year? I figure he will stay till he gets his degree. I think he's torn. I think he's a pretty mature kid and he's really going to think it over. Um, I had a chance to talk to him before the team left for El Paso and he is pretty polished. Um, but he said, you know, there were reasons that he came to Notre Dame 
but he didn't rule out what what might happen in the spring. I think he really wanted to just focus on doing well in the bowl game. Obviously, he did. It wasn't just uh, player speak and uh, and then competing in the spring. I I think that's what he wants to do. But he would not be, I don't think, close enough to his degree at all by the end of this spring. No. So he would he would be giving up on that. And then he'd really have to measure. I know that Steve has said this, and he said it right after the bowl game, about how much he enjoyed Sam Hartman being here and how much he learned from him and made him a better quarterback. I don't know that that necessarily means that he would feel that way about Riley Leonard. But, um, you know, it's it's what's important to him. He's going to have to prioritize. Does he want somebody that's going to guarantee him start. I don't think NIL money really is a worry for him or a concern for him, nor do I think he he will get a big head by people talking to him through third parties saying, hey, you could start for us. Um, I think he'd be very level-headed in this decision, but it would not surprise me if he's not the starting quarterback for him to say, I'm going to take the guarantee and go somewhere else. Yeah, and we're nearing the deadline for him to enter the transfer portal in this window. Um, he could certainly opt to, opt to enter the transfer portal um, in the spring, um, and that's that, April sixteenth through the thirtieth. And that that would be, I mean, I would. When it comes to the transfer portal, especially quarterbacks, I wouldn't be surprised by anything anymore. Um, yeah. So I think it's just, we're just waiting to see what he decides to do. Um, I think. I think it has to help in some way that, Hey, look, the guys that transferred out last year for greener pastures are coming back to Notre Dame this semester to, to finish their degrees because it didn't necessarily work out for them the way they wanted to. Now it also didn't prevent them from maybe getting back on that path. Like we don't know what the rest of the story is for Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner after um, they spend um, this coming semester at Notre Dame to graduate. But I just I just think that that has to be a bit of a a, a warning sign, um, and I think who Riley Leonard is as a player leads you to believe like, hey, I could be one snap away from from really having to play a major role for Notre Dame next season, um, and and that has to be something that Steve Angeli considers. Would it be better for him to have that experience, learn behind Riley Leonard, learn from Mike Dembrock? Um, continue to be developed by Juno Gaduli, or to be better for him to go somewhere that he could be a starter and maybe learn that he's not just cracked up to be a starting quarterback. I think he, he may get his answer of what he is sooner rather than later if he does transfer, whereas the possibility of what he could still be become could still be out there if he continues to sort of uh, incubate at Notre Dame. So do we have any more or do we want to – finish the quarterback conversation. I think that's it on the quarterback side of things okay. so we can continue the quarterback conversation. Okay. So a couple of follow-ups then for me, if Angeli is not the number one after the spring and you were kind of speaking to this, do you see the benefit of him staying at Notre Dame in 2024? If you were his dad or his high school coach, would you say, geez, Steve, I think with Mike Denbrock, with, Riley Leonard's injury history from 2023. Mm -hmm. This would be best for you to stay because you would have an inside track. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think so. I think I think he that makes some sense. Now, that's without knowing what is he. What are the possibilities for him elsewhere? Like, who are the people that are interested in bringing him on board, and what what is the the potential for him to start there? Is it a good situation offensively? I don't really know. I mean. The big time jobs like those, I, that's I don't think that's where Steve Angeli would be going, right? He's not. Right. He's not going. I mean, I they're mean, maybe, looking for guys with starting experience, right? I mean, may, maybe Ohio State gets desperate and like, hey, this isn't working out for us. Devin Brown's an injury risk, um, and it, it seems like they're they've had some issues. But to to chase out Kyle McCord for um, Steve Angeli would be an interesting decision. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's. I think that that would be what would be the concern if you're Notre Dame in terms of trying to keep Steve Angeli is like, are there better positions that can be presented to him? 
Um, it's one thing to, to say you could be a starter, but if you're going to be a starter at a bad program with a bad offensive line and get beat up, like, is that really in your best interest? Why not wait a year and maybe you're an even hotter. Commodity? That's what happened to Phil Jakovic. I think that's one of the reasons he went backward was because Boston college couldn't protect him and he got beat up year after year there. Yeah, no, I think that's very fair. So, um, so I, I think there's, there's still a chance he could be here. Um, but yeah, I certainly I, I wouldn't be shocked if he if he left either. One, one thing I'll mention too for people that look at Riley Leonard's stats for 2023, they were really good in 2022 when he played a full healthy season. Mm-hmm. And and portal guys aren't always, and in, in fact, more often than not, I mean, they're moving on because they want to improve. They see a situation where they can improve. And I wrote this in my Monday analysis for our subscribers. You look at Michael Penix, who played last night for Washington, um, Heisman Trophy winner Jaden Daniels, and then Bo Nix, who played in the Fiesta Bowl for Oregon, the three guys that were the quarterbacks that were finalists for the Heisman. Riley Leonard's 2022 stats across the board were better than all of them at their last season at their old school, last season at Indiana for Michael, last season at Arizona State for Jaden Daniels two years ago, last season at Auburn for Bo Nix. So again, as Tyler kind of alluded to earlier, you're playing, you're betting on your coaching staff that you can develop Riley Leonard into the NFL prospect that Mel Kuyper seems to think that he is. And, and a college quarterback that's capable of winning games for you in the college football playoff, the first 12-team playoff. One more quarterback question for you before we move on, Tyler, and then we can take questions or move on to the next topic. But Kenny mentioned Minchie played six passless snaps in the fourth quarter against Oregon State. Do you think that was the right move, or do you think if you were Marcus Freeman or Gina Goduli, you would have wanted to get him in for a little bit more meaningful action. Um, I mean, in a perfect world, yeah, maybe you get him in for more, but I don't, there wasn't necessarily a, a situation where it's like, okay, Kenny Minchie's definitely going to come back in or come in now, like maybe one more series earlier, but I don't know how, how big of a difference does that really make? I mean, right. do, do we like, for everything that we saw Steve Angeli do at the end of some of the games, like we weren't really that moved about what Steve Angeli could be until we saw this. Right. And so like, I would be surprised if the Notre Dame coaching staff would be that it, it would like sway them in some serious way to get Kenny Minchie in the game for one more drive at the end of the sun bowl. Um, but, and, and I mean, I mean, like consider who he's playing with, who he's playing against. Like, I don't know. Um, just I just to give him a taste, and he's he's been in some other games, and like not to do anything of any any serious value, but um, I, I didn't necessarily have a problem with it. Uh, I think get 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 what you can get out of Steve Angeli first, and then and then worry about Kenny Minchie later. I think I think that was my perspective on it, so I, I didn't have an issue. What about you? No, I didn't either. I, I don't think another series or two was going to inform you further on Kenny Minchie, I think you're going to get much more of a feel for how viable he is at competing for the number two spot or the number one spot when Mike Denbrock comes in in the spring and you're running a different offense anyways. Yeah. So do we want to go to questions before we hit? Yeah, we got a number of questions here. Um, Let's just one, the recent one from Jonah Kachow. Kuchowitz, um, I apologize for butchering your name if I did, uh, which I'm sure I did. Where was Tyson Ford, which is a much easier name to pronounce? Okay, Tyson Ford in the game. I don't, I don't think he played any snaps, right, Tyler? No. Okay. I mean, he was in El Paso because his mom takes pictures of him, and she's very proud of him and the way that he's been patient and waiting his turn. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I wrote about Tyson in my analysis on Monday. I think Tyson and Brennan Vernon and um, or somebody else on the defensive line. Oh, Josh Burnham. 
I think those guys are all going to be really interesting to watch in the spring, Josh, because of moving over to the field end spot. Vernon and uh, Tyson, because they've kind of cross-trained at a couple different places, the field end spot, and then also inside at, at defensive tackle. I think Riley Mills and Howard Cross coming back allows Al Washington to be a little bit more patient with those, that process, mm -hmm. maybe experiment a little bit more. But I think ultimately, this is a big spring for Tyson Ford. High pedigree recruit. Uh, all the returns we get, great attitude kid. Whenever I've asked Al Washington about him, he's had nothing but good things to say, but then it doesn't show up in the reps. So I think if they can make a decision, we saw Riley Mills in a different circumstance take off once he was zeroed in on one position and had his body ready to play that position, I think Tyson Ford bouncing back and forth and body weight, you get him one position or another and see what he can do. Yeah, I agree. And Tyson Ford was a name that we had thrown out last offseason as someone that maybe he's a guy that could ascend, um, and that did end up being the case. And for every positive thing that we heard about him, it was also seemingly, at least from my perspective, couched within like hey he's he's not a guy that's going to impact for us this year and that's so it wasn't necessarily surprising based on some of the comments that we heard that he didn't play a lot this year i think he only played in two games um and so notre dame um is just sort of easing him along um the need wasn't necessarily there for him uh that i think um especially with i mean javante john baptiste solved a lot of issues for notre dame and the way he was able to play that field defensive end position um, and Notre Dame's hoping to do that again with RJ Open this coming season. Um, so that does that le lead to Tyson Ford moving back inside? I, I don't really know the answer to that. I do. I do think that they need to figure it out and sort of just let him let him be where he needs to be and and just let him grow at that spot rather than moving it back and forth because I'm not sure that that's necessarily helped in him in any significant way. Yeah, there are some really good former top 100 recruits bubbling around toward the bottom of the depth chart. Ingo Byra is another one of them. Now he had a, a ACL tear right before the season started uh, during training camp. So that wiped out his season, but it'll be curious if he's healthy in the spring to see if he can get himself into the conversation at that field end spot, or even go back to Viper because really high motor, kid with with a good skill set that'd be interesting to see all right i got another question for us uh jeffrey stevens says the running back room is looking very full not for 2024 but could you see jeremiah love moving to slot slash wide receiver like chris tyree in the future to take advantage of his skills and the sum of talent I don't think now. I, I think Jeremiah Love has a chance to be a star running back. I think he's Notre Dame's best running back. And Notre Dame has slot receivers. They have Jordan Faison. They have Jaden Greathouse. They have Logan Sedalte coming in. K.K. Smith can play the slot. Um, so I think they have a lot of good options there. But I think right now, Jeremiah Love and Darian Price are Notre Dame's two best options at the running back position. So I like him staying at running back. Yeah. I think you can do some creative things with him in the way that Chris Tyree could have been used as a slot receiver um, at slash running back sort of combination. Um, and so I, I don't, I can't, I don't envision a full-time switch to wide receiver for Jeremiah love um, unless Notre Dame, like unless Jadarian price becomes Audrick estimate next season, and Kedron Young is Audrey Guestimate the third. Um, like, it, I think it would take a lot to push Jeremiah Love out of that position. I think he wants to play a lot. And so the, he, I think he's willing to do whatever's asked of him. But I think Notre Dame should be in a position that could recruit well enough at receiver um, and also be able to get him the ball in ways to, to accent his abilities out of the running back position primarily, but also lining him up split wide and stuff like that. So I think there's creative ways to do that without moving him to wide receiver. 
another question for Jeffrey Stevens. Do you guys have any intel on what went into the decision for Xavier Watts to return? Huge for Notre Dame, but I wonder. I just wonder what the NFL scouts were saying and where you think he will land in the 2025 NFL draft. I think it was less about what kind of feedback he was getting from the NFL and more about his own feedback. Xavier is an incredible, mature, level-headed guy. And and in his mind, even if he got drafted high, he felt like there was a lot of learning that he needed to do as a safety and that he could have a longer NFL career by being a better college safety next year. I think Mm -hmm. he loves playing college football. You know, he's only really started as a full-time starter for one year, and he was a unanimous All-American in that year. And I think he just, he had it mapped out that he wants to get a master's degree and he had all the classes figured out. He had to get that taken. So he he really gave it a lot of thought. He's got a good support group around him that wasn't saying, hey, take the money. You'd be silly not to. He He's a different cat. And uh, he made, I think, a really good decision, a really mature decision for himself. He wasn't going to be a first or second round draft choice. Right. He could certainly play himself into a higher draft position by coming back to Notre Dame. Yeah, and I, and I caution people at some point during the season, like, hey, and this is, I think, good for Notre Dame. He doesn't have the long resume of of work to go off of. Um, so, like, yes, the Bronco Nagurski Trophy is a cool deal, but that's not going to sway NFL personnel into drafting him or spending a high draft pick on him. And I don't think Xavier has the freakish, uh, like, testing numbers um, that would push him up of boards that would sort of overcome his lack of experience. Um, they, the NFL will want to see sort of repeated success. Um, and, and this was his first year as a full-time starter. So the, the opportunity for him to come back next year um, and do that again, I think will uh, will allow him to become a more coveted draft pick. Maybe he can get up into that second round range next year. I don't know. Maybe first round. I, I, I wouldn't rule that out, um, but I don't know that he necessarily, like, again, the, the, the testing numbers, maybe that, is something that would maybe be ding ding him a, a little bit, but maybe he can also improve in those ways at Notre Dame. Maybe Lauren Landau can help him um, get 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 better in those aspects to to make himself a better draft prospect as well. What he can't do is get Kyle Hamilton's height and length. Right, exactly. All right, Ron Robert asks, "Happy New Year, Tyler and Eric. What is your gut on the ability for the Irish to sign Christopher Burgess Jr.?" I'm going to let you handle that. I know that Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State, and Alabama are the finalists, and it seems like it's a Michigan-Notre Dame battle. Um, I don't know. I think it's it depends on who you ask. I, I was I, when I saw okay, Ron, well, I'm asking you, I, Ron, uh, <laughs> submit the question. I don't. I, I don't have a great sense for it yet. I, this is something I'm just continuing to look into. Um, I I looked at. The rivals, his rivals profile. There's no future cast uh, put in for him from any of our reporters or analysts. Uh, there's no, and that, that's the same for all the comp- competing sites too. There's no on the record official predictions um, on their profiles for for Christopher Burgess Jr. So I think that sort of speaks to how this is sort of going down to the wire here. And then I'm not sure that even the team that ends up with him um, getting his commitment knows that that they're going to get him yet. So um, I think there's still some some research to do in there. I think Notre Dame certainly has a very re- realistic chance to land him. I should say that um, it's not like Notre Dame is just a hat on the table there for Christopher Burgess. Um, I, I'm, I'm considering making a pick for Notre Dame to land him yet, but I'm not, I'm not quite ready to do that yet. So um, we'll see if, if Notre Dame can close here in the last few days before he announces his decision on Saturday. Who, who's the kid from Indianapolis? Is his name Shanklin? Yeah. Damian Shanklin. Now, are they competing for the same spot? I don't think so. Shanklin's more okay. of a a, a a rush end. I think Burgess yeah. could end up being a defensive tackle. He he's he more of a strut field end, and Shanklin's okay. more of a viper. I, at least that's my perspective and my the feedback I've received. So I don't think they would be competing for the same spot. Now they are loading up on defensive linemen early, so I think there is a crunch for some numbers at some point. But 
Um, I think uh, they're, they're, if they can get both of those guys, I think Notre Dame would be willing to take both of them. Okay. All right. Uh, Joe Peters says, uh, great podcast with Bob Morton. Very encouraged by ND admins being proactive, expediting decisions on potential incoming transfers. What's the news on Al Colden? Please say he's close to staying. I mean, you've heard rumors or we've heard rumors about a possible contract extension for him. I don't know that any of that really sticks in my craw until the NFL carousel gets going. I think that is the competition for Al Golden's staying at Notre Dame versus leaving. I don't think he would leave for another college defensive coordinator job. I think maybe for a head coaching position, I don't think he's he would be in the running yet for a head coaching position that he would like. I mean, he would like it to be something like Miami, what he had when he was last a college head coach. But I think defensive coordinator in the NFL, just having sat with him every Tuesday during this season and listen to him talk and listen to him talk about the NFL, that's really where I think his head is at in terms of what's the better direction for me? Where do I want to kind of finish my career at this point as a college coordinator or as a an NFL defensive coordinator? He could always go and be an NFL de- defensive coordinator later, but he's got to look at what's coming back at Notre Dame and saying, well, wait a second, <laughs> maybe <laughs> my bargaining power will be better next year. Yeah. I don't have any news. Um, and like you said, even if he does sign an extension, um, that's not going to prevent him from leaving for an NFL job either necessarily. Um, but, but I do, I, I've been on the other side of things or there I've, I've been leaning towards, I think he will return. I don't think he's going to leave Notre Dame. Um, I could certainly be proven wrong in a month or so about that, but I, I do think that um, his immediate future will be at Notre Dame. All right. Um, Paul, and thanks for the compliment about Bob Morton. We love him too. Yes, we are big Bob Morton fans as well, which is why we like to have him on our podcast so much. Um, Paul Kinlan uh, asks, who will be the top two receivers for 2024? I will put Jaden Thomas in that. And even though he wasn't that this year, he almost got up to the top at the end. Um, and considering how good he looked when he was healthy versus how non-factor he was when he wasn't healthy, I'll, if he's healthy, I, I'm betting on Jaden Thomas. Then somebody else, wow. I'm going to go way off onto a limb and say Chris Mitchell. Well, that's way off onto a limb. I was like, I was, I was hoping you wouldn't take my answer, and I was like, and then when you said way off on a limb, I was like, okay, good. He's not going to say Chris Mitchell. <laughs> to me, that seems like an obvious one. Well, uh, he, he has to show that he can adjust from the Group of Five level to the Power Five level. But there's certainly an opportunity for him at that field receiver position, and knowing how good Mike Denbrock is at bringing the best out of those field receivers and identifying them i like his chances yeah i think i think i'm not that worried about the way his game will translate i think his game is built around speed and speed translates um and so i think that should allow him to be able to be productive for notre dame um next season uh so those i have the same predictions as you i would go with Jaden thomas um we're both smart Chris Mitchell. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't making fun of your predictions. I was just like, oh man, I was hoping you weren't gonna say the same ones as me. Um Ron Robert has another one. Do do either of you uh have any insight on Nolan Ziegler's decision to enter the portal after he worked and came back near of end of season? You know, Nolan at one point was pretty open about his struggles. He had an injury and then he really struggled with mental health around coming back from the injury and so physically he was fine but there was a real mental health struggle and then he only ended up he played some special teams but I think he only played one game as a linebacker then toward the end of the season he began to separate from the team again and I think maybe for him um in just kind of reading between the lines that just needs a fresh start somewhere else he loved Notre Dame. I mean, he had a lot of Notre Dame 
lineage and his family and grew up loving Notre Dame and probably will always love Notre Dame. But sometimes you want to hit the reset button. It's easier doing it somewhere else. Yeah, I think the the ability to find a fresh start somewhere else um, is is attractive to Nolan Ziegler right now and uh, wish him the best of luck in, in trying to do so. Um, Ryan Urquhart asked, not ND related, but what are your thoughts on the national championship game? Well, I have been voting for Washington in my poll since the end of September, and I am going to continue to predict Washington will win the national championship. Uh, But I would not be surprised if Michigan did. Michigan's defense is for real. Washington's defense isn't for real, but they're (laughs) magic. And what they do on offense is amazing. Mike Varell, our old colleague, had a stat on Twitter today that Washington receivers were targeted 20 times and they had 19 catches for 353 yards. That is, I mean, I was watching them and I thought, have I ever seen Notre Dame's receivers look like this <laughs> in 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 all of them? You know, I've seen really good Notre Dame receivers, but not like three of them all at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I've been right there with you. I I it's been completely baffling to me how much Vegas has disrespected Washington, and betters have been lining up to uh, bet against Washington, both in the rematch against Oregon and then in the semifinal against Texas. Um, I think Michael Penix is great. Those receivers are great. Um, It's going to take a lot for Michigan to be able to shut that down. It's a very different challenge than what Jalen Milrow and Alabama's offense um, presented for Michigan. So I I'm leaning towards who I, especially in big games these days, like I know the, the cliche is defense win championships, but I lean more and more to offenses and quarterbacks. Um, in college football. And I think Washington has the better offense and the better quarterback. Um, So I I think Washington's going to win the game. Um, Michigan, it seems to be having one of those kinds of seasons that both the teams are having those kinds of seasons. So it's, it's cool to see two undefeated teams going into a game like this and um, we'll see who can, who can come out the other end of it. But um, I, I, I would be predicting a Washington win, but I, I think it'll be a good game regardless. I don't I don't think it's going to be a blowout um, in either direction. So, um, but Washington is what what I what I predicted when the playoff was set, um, and it's it's what I'm sticking with uh, going into next Monday. Okay, tell me if you think I'm that you think there's um, beer in this cup, which it's coffee. Um, I think Oregon could have played with all four of those teams, not saying that they would beat them, but, and then I was surprised Bo Nix played in the Fiesta Bowl against Liberty. That was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do think Oregon can do that. I, I don't know that the offensive and defensive lines are the things that it's like, can those match up? And I think Washington does have a good enough offensive line to potentially hold up against Michigan, I think Michigan's the Phil Moore award winner this year. Yeah. And Michigan's defensive line, I think is better than Oregon's defensive line. And I don't think Oregon did a good enough job against Washington in those games in trying to slow down that offense. Um, uh, Chris uh, just chimed in with Georgia would beat them all. I, I wouldn't be surprised by that either. I think Georgia is really good. Uh, They certainly, uh, I think put, had a chip on their shoulder by getting left out, even though they lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Oregon could compete with those teams. I think Georgia could. I think that's probably it. I mean, you can't really measure Florida State on what it was in the bowl game. Like, it was, yes. obviously wasn't the Florida State team um, that would have been there if it was put into the playoff. Um, and uh, obviously it wasn't the same team without Jordan Travis's injury. But um, I think for the most part it seemed like they got it right, right? I mean, I think Alabama was somewhat controversial as the four seed. Um, but Alabama played Michigan tough right now. Maybe I think, I mean, you and I have, we obviously were predicting Washington. I think we both probably thought Washington should have been the one seed, um, as well. Obviously you have been voting on one. Um, so, uh, I think overall, I think we got a good test. I, I, 
I don't love when teams lose in the college or in the conference championship and still get in the playoff. Um, I well, know they that. they can in the future because it'll be twelve, right? But in the fourteen playoff, yeah. um, I didn't love that. I know Notre Dame was able to uh, take advantage of that um, in twenty twenty, but um, I, I think that uh, especially when there's as many good teams as there were this season, um, to let those guys that stepped up in those final weeks um, duke it out for the for the championship. Um, I think there's one more question I had lined up here. Yeah, John Erickson, a bit a bit of an off the wall one. Given the Wild West that is college football right now, who is the first team to challenge the obviously arbitrary 85 player limit? I don't know. I, I'm not sure that I understand the question. I think he just means like the scholarship limit. Like who would who would just say, you know what, we're just gonna put it hundred guys on scholarship rather than eighty five. And then take the NCAA to court. I don't know. Well, I mean, what would what would be the consequence? Like if and like how fast would they know? Like I don't I don't know how the, I don't know how the process works to be to be frank. Like how do they know who's all on scholarship and uh Well, they have to submit it before the first day of their fall classes. They have to submit the roster. I mean, there would be I would imagine probation, although I mean, I don't know how seriously teams take that. Well, then how do, and how do they prove it? Like if if this is what they're saying here they're on scholarship, but could they be also having guys put on scholarship that they're not saying on scholarship? I, I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't seem to be that hard to, to finagle, right, if you really wanted to? Well, I mean, there's not a lot of secrets. I mean, they found out about somebody stealing signs and all that stuff. So. <laughs> well, yeah, it takes an opponent to figure it out that it's happening usually. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> don't you think that's who would turn them in? They'd hear so-and-so was on scholarship? When yeah, yeah, unless all, the, unless all the other teams were doing it. Although I think Michigan's argument was that all the I, other I, teams are doing it with the stealing tool. I don't know that there's a real urgency to try to get an 86th or 87th player on scholarship no, it's impossible with the transfer portal now, right? Like, how do yeah. you how, how do you keep a hundred guys on yeah, scholarship? You're happy if you have eighty five, <laughs> because guys want to guys want to play, and you can't play that many guys. So, right. Um, I mean, it's kind of like we have somebody on our board that always seems to want the women to have women's basketball team to fill all their scholarships and have fifteen players or whatever on it. And, yeah, and they'll never be able to do that. No no players there's never going to be a 15th scholarship player that's like boy i'm just happy to be here yeah you know, they want to play and and so yeah i don't know that there's an appetite to to challenge that rule yeah anthony solomon chimed in the ncaa will say no until they're threatened with a lawsuit see north carolina case ncaa is a joke i don't disagree I, I, that's why i was like I, I don't i mean if you really challenge it like what would be the end of it i don't I, I don't know. Um, well, they but... need to get better lawyers, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Eric, those are all the questions I got for us. Okay. Is there I anything know... else we want to hit before we get out of here? Yeah, I, d I do think we have to hit a couple things before we get out of here. Okay. Uh want to send prayers and thoughts to Jaden Mickey's family. Jaden lost his mom, Nilka, on the eve of the Sun Bowl, ended up starting and playing for the Irish, mm -hmm. and then... His grandpa um, died the night of the um, of the Somewhere. bowl game. Uh, Lamar, his dad's father, so his paternal grandfather died. Um, so we want to send our um, condolences to the family. Um, let's hit just a couple of portal things real quick. Roderick Hurd, the second, confirmed to you he'll be visiting Saturday and Sunday. He's a Northwestern cornerback nickel, but is projected as a safety for the Irish. Do you think this would be a significant addition if he ended up signing with the Irish and enrolling in January in this month? Yeah, I mean, certainly that extra safety position is one we talked about. Is I mean, that's maybe one of the biggest concerns going into next season. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that is. If, if he's going to be a great safety, like I think it's obviously a projection of him moving back from a uh, more of a corner nickel role. Certainly that didn't work out for Antonio Carter, the second this past season for Notre Dame. Um, but Hurd has played at a higher level with playing in the big 10 where um, Carter was coming from Delaware. So I think that there's a difference there. Um, 
I think there's going to be. He's got good stats. That's good stats sure. and a lot. And there's going to be a lot of competition for him too. So I, I'll be interested to see what ends up happening uh, with that recruitment. But I understand why Notre Dame is like, hey, we need to see if we can get a potential other safety body in here. Um, if Adon Schuler, Luke Talich, or Ben Minnick aren't ready to go as the the next starter next to Xavier Watts. And Marcus Freeman offered him a scholarship when he was a defensive coordinator at Cincinnati uh, out of Farmington Hills Harrison High School. Um, do we expect any other portal visitors? Would you think that there are any other portal visitors coming up this week? And I think the visiting window ends on Sunday, correct? Yeah, the visiting window ends on Sunday. I think it opens maybe tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so... At this moment, I do not know of anyone that is visiting, but these things change pretty quickly. There's lots of things going on behind the scenes, so um, we will continue to cover that on the Insider Lounge and InsideIndieSports.com um, if we hear more word of other portal visitors this week. Okay, and the last thing I want to hit, you had a new heat index in the Insider Lounge about a reclassified cornerback. What can you tell us about Kevin Humes and his involvement with Notre Dame? Yeah, well, before I do that, I want to say thank you, Rajon. I was wrong. I said Delaware for Antonio Cardi's from Rhode Island. Um, it's a small state. <laughs> one of those northeast small states. Um, anyways, but Kevin Humes, he reclassified from 20, the 2025 class to the 2024 class. Um, he's a four-star cornerback out of Baltimore, um, St. Francis High School. Um, Notre Dame has, has decided to keep pursuing him. I wasn't sure if that would be the case. I think there were trying to figure out if they could still do that with a, a guy uh, reclassifying so late in his high school um, process. Um, so he's lined up an official visit to Notre Dame at near the end of January. Um, Syracuse, Penn State, USC, and Florida also plan to host him for official visits. He also wants to make a, um, official or unofficial visit to Maryland. Um, and so – the plan for him is to make these official visits in June and, or January and early February and then be able to make a decision once the, the next signing period opens on February 7th. Okay. Well, I'll finish up with this. Legacy Heating and Air, we appreciate them supporting us. If you're in the South Bend, Mishawaka area, check them out at LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. And thanks for all the great questions tonight. And we'll try to get through more of our, our actual programming stuff that I put together. We'll try to get through that next week after the national championship game. And remember, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock next week again because of the national championship game on Monday. And Tyler needs to have a beer before he watches Michigan. <laughs> if uh, you're, like I mentioned earlier, if you are not subscribed to us, on the YouTube channel, please do that. Like, comment, hit your, hit your notification bell. Um, we want you to be um, tuning in whenever we have content for you, um, and we appreciate the the big audience, big live audience that we've been drawing um, in recent weeks here uh, on Football Never Sleeps. Um, and Football Never Sleeps, the name was sort of came out of us covering Notre Dame football year round, um, and that was sort of the off season name for the show, and we change it to being full-time but so this is a year-round thing we plan to do um so you will be able to see us on youtube um throughout the rest of the year um even when there's not a lot of football going on we still have plenty of football to discuss um also if you are not subscribed to insideadsports.com we have a 30-day free trial available to our youtube audience use promo code ndyt when you sign up to get free access to our premium analysis recruiting coverage and special access to us on the insider lounge where we spend a lot of time and share our information first. Um, there's a link to sign up for that in the video description below. Uh, that is all for now. We hope you uh, have a great week, first week of 2024, and we'll see you after a national champion has been crowned. <laughs>